we have a packed show. We have a lot to talk about, not a lot of time. I'm not clear why we don't have a lot of time, but we don't have a lot of time. So let's get the show on the road. Tell me a story that I really don't want to hear, Mike. Well, there's a reason that we haven't got a lot of time. Oh, what's the reason? So I have a really bad headache right uh, now. Delightful. Why do you have a really my, bad headache? And my face hurts. Ugh, that's no fun. Why does your face hurt? So I have a story about a dentist. Okay, well, I'm done, and uh, I'm just going to put on elevator music, and you can monologue this for the next 10 minutes. Here's the unfortunate thing for you, Casey Liss, mm-hmm. and I guess those of uh, those people who are listening live right now. You have to listen, right? You have to sit there, and you have to listen, because you have to talk to me. You can't sit there quietly. But this is a... This is a... I wouldn't say gruesome's not the right word because like no, nothing terrible happened but if you are squeamish and or do not like the to think about listening to somebody tell a story about going to the dentist you probably want to skip ahead and if Casey uh loves all of you dear listeners he will put little uh, reminders to me in uh, the edit notes to put some chapter markers in because I'm going to tell you about a trip to the dentist that I took last week. Uh, Okay, so to set this up, I don't know if I've ever told Mike this, and it's not a secret, but it doesn't come up in everyday conversation. Um, when uh, and th- So at this point, if you are still listening and you think you might get squeamish about tooth-related things, now, this very moment, is the time to fast forward. So anyway, um, when I was a kid, I was in fourth grade, so I was 10-ish, give or take a little bit. Um, I had an overbite that stretched from Illinois to New York, which is half the width of the United States. That joke would have been much funnier. Overbite is where the top lip goes over the bottom lip, right? Well, it's less to do with the lips and more to do with the teeth, but yes, that's correct. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, The top part of the jaw goes over the... Correct. So my younger brother and I, who would have been about six at this point, were wrestling when the babysitter was over. And we were uh, wrestling not too angrily, but, you know, as a six-year-old and a 10-year-old would do. And mom and dad were at dinner and the babysitter was over. And I pinned him under a beanbag, or so I had thought, until he jumped up and the back of his head impacted my front top teeth. And these were not oh. my this, these were not my baby teeth. These were my real teeth. And next thing I knew, I was looking at both of my front top center teeth on the ground. These Holy my, moly, I did not know this. Mm-hmm, this these were my adult teeth, and uh, it was extremely painful. And I ran to the kitchen sink, not knowing what better to do, and just basically went <laughs> and squirt blood everywhere. It was super delightful. Excellent. Yeah, and ever since then, I have been hugely squeamish about teeth. Uh, to quickly sum up the story, because this is not supposed to be my part of the show, uh, even though I've successfully hijacked it, um, what ended up happening was we called an emergency dentist. They stu- he, the gentleman stuck my, the doctor stuck my teeth back in my head. Uh, then we got back in the car. One of them fell back out. Then he stuck it back in again, and it stayed that time. Then oh, a couple of years later, I had a root canal on both of them. And then when I was in high school, um, I got my first implant done, which is on my left. So uh, that was done by around the time I went to college. Toward the end of college, I started getting the um, second implant done. And that actually coincided with me meeting Aaron right after college. So when we met for the first six or so months that, that we were dating, 
I actually had a tooth on a retainer because at this point the the dead the dead <laughs> adult tooth had been pulled out and in order to look cosmetically somewhat normal I had a tooth on a retainer and so if I popped out the retainer out popped the tooth and um and Aaron refused to look at it for the first three or four months that we were together because she's not crazy. And yep. eventually I was in the bathroom, like brushed my teeth or something like that. And she came up, she came up to me and looked at me and said, okay, I'd like to see it now. And, uh, I showed her and, and surprisingly she did not explosively vomit everywhere, but in any case, so now if we ever meet listeners or if you ever see a picture of me henceforth, it's now, it's like the arrow in the FedEx logo. Henceforth, you will know that my top two, my, my, my top teeth, the center two teeth, are completely fake. They are porcelain or some derivation thereof. And that is my disgusting tooth story that I've tried to make as quick as possible so Mike understands why I'm about to vomit as he tells his much longer story. So they're fake, but they're not false, right? Like you can't take them out. Correct. I cannot take them out anymore. There was a brief window of time where either could be taken out when, when, when the process was going on. At this point, they have been screwed into my noggin and cemented in, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sure they could be removed with you know, the proper equipment or whatever. But no, I, I, I have no mechanism by which I can remove them. And God willing, I will never do so. So I was due for a dental checkup. And a couple of weeks before... Um I, I like a a piece of one of my wisdom teeth had had clearly broken off because my tooth was sharp in a place where it wasn't sharp before, oh, right? Okay. Do you know when you feel it? Uh, like it's yeah. the worst thing. Like anything in your mouth, like just ruins your entire mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, like you bite your cheek and then you the entire mm-hmm. mouth ruined for a day, or like you do one thing and then you ruin the other side of your face, like because you're trying to avoid the one side. Like it's terrible, and also. I I believe this is one of those things that I I think is true, and I just haven't. I I've never really looked, but I I believe that your tongue has no um, sense of scale. Like it doesn't have the ability to sense scale, which is why things seem so much bigger. Like your teeth feel bigger than they are, or whatever you know, um, because hmm. your tongue is unable to sense scale. I never thought of it that way, but that I don't know if that's true or not. But it certainly does kind of make sense. That's weird. Let me Google this. Tongue unable to not taste. I mean, that's that's a whole <laughs> other thing. Sense scale or is it size? I, I believe that there's something. I'm just going to say that, even if it's true, true or not. I, I it's one of the, It might have been one of those like um, urban myth type things mm-hmm. that you grew up believing for like forever, but that's one of mine. Um, and anywho... So I noticed that this was happening and I had a dental checkup on the way. So I figured that I would just wait it out, right? I'm going to go see the dentist soon. And then when I see the dentist, they can tell me what the situation is. And they told me that um, I had a cavity in my wisdom tooth. I have all my wisdom teeth, by the way. They didn't cause me any problems when they were coming in. Um, And I never had to have any out. I, I, I didn't need to have any out. So he was like, there's a cavity in it. Uh, it needs a filling, so there's, you have two options. We can fill it, or we can take it out. And he said, you can fill it. It will be easier, it will be cheaper. But that tooth is so far back in your head, you will continually get it filled every few years for the rest of your life because it's super difficult to clean, right? Because it's, like, really far back. Mm-hmm. Um 
he said, but to to take that tooth out because you have space and and it you know your tooth came through fine. They didn't push any around too much when it moved in. He said it should just be a quick five minute job. Oh, perfect. Right. He says, and again, here we go, everyone. We're just gonna cut around the gum, and you you pull it out, wiggle it out. Um, and he said the worst thing is the sound. Oh, because it's right next to your ear. It was an upper so one. So he said. Yeah, it's an upper one. So you hear a sound like this, he said. That's the worst part. <laughs> so I said, against my, my better judgment, maybe, I was like, okay, I'm, I am I like this guy. I trust this guy. And I do. I like my dentist. He's a new dentist. This is the first time I'd ever seen this dentist, but I immediately liked him. He's a very nice guy. So I was like, okay, the, the logic makes sense to me. I, I don't really enjoy having dental work done. So let's have one thing I really don't want done compared to like a future of other things right like and as well it was really annoying me that i was like i had this chip tooth for like for a few, like a month or whatever waiting for this checkup because it kept getting worse and it was painful and all that kind of stuff so i was like i'm not gonna you know fine i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get it out right i don't need this tooth i'm just gonna get it out okay so i went to see the dentist a few days ago um, it was early in the morning and I got there and sat down. I had another, uh, just another little thing that I had to have done. I had like a, a mark on my tooth and they kind of got, got that sorted out for me. Kind of like just use this sand, like this like grit blasting thing to mm-hmm. get rid of that. It was pretty cool. And then they just put a little bit of contact filler on it. Now, didn't even need an anesthetic for that. Nothing. It was super easy. Didn't feel a thing. Totally fine. So it's like, right, it's time for the main event as it were. So they, uh, he like he talks you through it again. He's like, look, as we said last time, about five minutes it will take. Um, it's not going to be a difficult one. Uh, it's all the way up the back there. We've got space. We're going to get it out, no problem. So is is that gives me two uh, needles of anesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one on the the gum on the outside, one on the roof of my mouth. Was um, he nice enough to give you like a little topical, a little like spread on a Q-tip to kind of numb you before he did the needle? Yeah, yeah. He put okay. some some something in there. Mm. Um, and I mean, you still feel that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I mean, I don't know how much worse it will be otherwise, but you still feel it. And he uh, he says to me, okay, how do you want... To... So then he like, he reaches in, he does, what he, he does his thing, and he cuts the gum. I didn't even know he'd done it. All right, super simple that part. And he was like, okay, so... How do you want to know about this? There's a few ways we can go about this. Um, I can either say nothing and just do it. Um, I can tell you how much longer it's going to be, or we can do percentages. So like 10% out, 20% out, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, I, I want to know how it's going, but I don't want time because if he tells me like we've got two minutes left, I'm going to be counting it down and that's going to right. make it feel longer. So I was like, mm-hmm. just give me a percentages. He's like, okay, no problem. So... Uh, we're off to the races and uh, 10%, 20%. You know, there's a bit of wiggling and I hear my first sound, you know, <laughs> which was, which was not great. <laughs> and then, you know, we're like 60%, 70%. Um, and then he stopped talking about percentages for a little bit and he's doing his thing. And then he's like, okay, oh, I need to move over to the other side. Um, so do that. And then I'm like, oh, I could feel that. Oh, God. And he was like, "Okay, okay." So let me let me turn around here because it's just getting a little bit stuck. Um, so instead of pulling, I'm going to wiggle for a bit. 
So he gets another tool, and he starts wiggling, and then this is one of the first times of I don't know how many times that the tool that he had slipped and hit me in the other tooth. (laughs) And the sound that that makes, that is uncomfortable. It is a piece of metal hitting you in the tooth. (laughs) So you don't feel it, but you can hear it. Mm-hmm. And we're going on for a little bit longer, and I'm like, okay, I can feel this now, like, and it's really starting to hurt. So he's like, okay, he injects me again, some more anesthetic, and he keeps going, it keeps going, keeps twisting, keeps slipping, moves around, keeps pulling, keeps pulling, and the pain, Casey, is intensifying. I am sweating. You know, you're on like the, the kind of the chair bed thing with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At this point, I'm like, I'm kicking my foot like against the bed. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there were many tools. Oh, kept it, kept changing to new tools to try and get this tooth out. Um, he administered in total after the first two another four needles of anesthetic. Oh my god! Because of the pain that I was in. It didn't matter what he was doing. I kept on feeling it, and I and I have never felt pain like it. It was, it was horrific, man. And he ended up getting it out. It took twenty five minutes. Oh god! To get that tooth out. That does not sound fun. Um, I didn't know it had taken that long. Uh, all I rem- all I really remember is the feeling of it coming out because mm-hmm. I nearly started crying like I'm not even kidding like I was it was just it was a freaking ordeal man like it was real bad yeah it's 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 weird if you've never had this kind of like serious dental work done especially for like wisdom teeth generally speaking in the United States obviously there's no one rule but generally speaking if you're having your wisdom teeth removed you're you're being um put under you know so you have a general anesthesia anesthetic whatever and you're 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 asleep you know and and for my implants like for the times in which they put the screw into my bone like what 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 ended up happening was i was wide awake and they gave me just an unbelievable amount of novocaine which is presumably what you had and the the troubling thing about it is i on the plus side i didn't feel pain so in that sense i was way ahead of you mike but it's a very odd feeling when somebody is drilling into your jawbone because not only is your head getting pushed up from some faraway force that you're not really sure where it is. Like, obviously, conceptually, I understand it's the dentist that's drilling into me. But, but in terms of feeling, I, I couldn't tell. But what was really alarming about it was the little pieces of jawbone that were pinging against my forehead and my cheeks as he's drilling yeah. into my jaw. Like, it's just, it's, it's, and, and obviously, it's not the exact same thing you went through, but it's a similarly like, eerie ridiculous weird uncomfortable kind of nauseating feeling and it's the worst i think part of my problem was that he told me you will feel this but you won't feel pain right um and i i felt like i understood what he meant by that but i think i left it too long before i told him i could feel pain Mm -hmm. right so the pain got to me before he could put before he could dose me up um, my dentist told me this was the second hardest tooth he's ever removed. My goodness. Turned out that what it was was one of the one or two of the roots in my tooth had had kind of curled under oh, a little bit. Oh, God. So uh, that little bad boy was refusing to come out. 
so uh we we finished up it was funny beforehand like i was like okay can you just run through with me like what's gonna the situation gonna be like am i gonna be able to eat normally am i gonna be able to talk like what's you know like i don't really know what the deal's gonna be with this so he was like oh um you'll be able to eat normally you'll be able to do everything normally you just can't eat small food because there'll be like a hole right left Mm -hmm. um and you you know you'll kind of just uh but it'll be, it'll, you know, you'll be relatively fine. You'll be a little sore the next day, but you shouldn't be, a, shouldn't be a problem. So he finished up, and he was like, um, "All right." So he's got the tooth out. He's like, he's checking if I'm okay. He's like, giving me tissues to clean myself up because I'm like, tears running down my face. Basically, like I'm just in just like a real, I'm just like a real shell of a man. Um, <laughs> and he's like, everything I told you before, we have to disregard all of that now. Um, he said, because first off, we need to stitch you up because there's a whole situation going on in there. <laughs> so, so he said, so if you want to eat rice, you can now. So that's good. Um, and he said, the other is uh, we are now going to give you some super strong painkillers and we're going to give you antibiotics and we're going to give you anti-bruising stuff. He said, because... You, my friend, are going to be, gonna be in a good way. <laughs> yeah, this is, this did not go as we expected it to go. Oh, God, I'm um, so sorry, Mike. That stinks. So he, so he stitched me up, which was like, that was like a walk in the park. Like, I did not feel that. It was brilliant. I was having a whale of a time. We're having a, we're even chatting. We're having a laugh and a joke as he's stitching me up. Um, He's done that, and then I sit up, and uh, my hands are, like, violently trembling, which I assume is the adrenaline. Yeah, probably. Um, And then, like, I I barely know where I am. Like, I feel like I really went through something. Like, it was, it really was just mad. Like, I've never really experienced something like that before. Um, And uh, as I'm getting up to leave, he was like, oh, unfortunately, it was 40 pounds more because we had to put the stitch in. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, I, I, like at the time, I'm like, I'm okay. Yeah, no, that's fine, fine. Later on, I realized, like, why? Like, yeah. We only had to put the stitch in because the whole situation was that this was going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Right? Then there shouldn't have ever been a stitch. Yeah. But, like, whatever. I'm, and, I, like, again, I'm, I believe that he told me, like, included in that, like, because I'm, I'm going back to see him again, like, in a week. Because uh, we need to just make sure that everything's okay, mm-hmm. like that I haven't got any infection and that it's healing properly and stuff like that. Because um, right now, I tell you, right now it's a freaking mess up in here. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right, like there is up up there in the back right now is there's some stuff going on, like and it doesn't feel right to me. I tell you that, like I feel like I just have a hole in my face. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's messed up, Casey. It was freaking messed up, man. And you know what? I woke up that morning, the morning of the dentist, uh, slightly sl- sore throat, right? Mm-hmm. That was my body telling me not to do that. Yep, I think it, it was. Knew. It knew. Because do you know what? Not only did I have, right, this... Not only did I have to deal with the pain of um, having my jaw open for 25 minutes whilst a man was, like, pushing pieces of metal into my face to pull out a tooth, right? Because, like, if you think, it's 25 minutes, there were no breaks. Mm-hmm. I think we took a break for, like, 30 seconds at one point. It's just 25 minutes of him with big pieces of metal in my mouth, like, pressing against my lower jaw oh, for leverage, 
right? Like to try and pull this tooth out, right? So, like, I, I I took a look inside of my mouth today with, with the use of my um, iPhone flashlight, <laughs> and it I, I I have such a bruise on like the roof of my mouth. That's not surprising. And so, uh, yeah. So basically, um, not only do I have that to deal with, I also have a cold. Delightful. I was going to say you sound a little bit nasally. Yeah. So I have a, I have a, I have a not a terrible cold, but the combination of those two things is really bad. And um, I ate dinner tonight, uh, and today is like one of the first days where my actual, like the area where um, they did the work didn't hurt. So I was like eating normally, like I wasn't eating everything tinily, and like I was cutting everything up into tiny pieces, like. Uh, I ate like a hamburger with a knife and fork, cutting up into mm-hmm. tiny, tiny pieces. Because I had like um, significantly reduced motion in my jaw, and mm-hmm. today it was like the first day where that's not been the case. But using my jaw normally has left me with a horrific headache because I've obviously overworked the amount of use that I have in my jaw right now. Because everything was swollen, mm. like my whole face was swollen. Yeah, on one side. Um. So, yeah, man. Tooth. Oh, here's the thing. One thing. So, I'm walking to the train station. So, I'm calling, like, I'm calling everyone I know, basically, to try and make sure that I'm operating normally. Like, I'm talking to people on the phone. Like, I'm calling my mom. Mm-hmm. I'm calling Adina and stuff. Like, because I, I knew how I felt and I knew I didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So, like, as I'm walking down the streets to get on the train and stuff, like, I want to be on the phone. And uh, I'm walking towards the train. Like, people are looking at me weird. Um. And then I realized that I have blood dribbling outside of my face. <laughs> and I th- but no one tells you any of these things. No, nat- naturally. Because I had like gauze. You know what gauze is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had that like shoved in oh, yeah. my gum and I'm like biting on it, but it's like blood dribbling out of my side of my mm-hmm. face. Like, can somebody like just say like, mate, are you all right? Like, like I don't look like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't think I'll come dressed like someone who might have just like randomly got in a fight or like, you know, like I don't like I don't have some infectious disease. I don't know. Like I look like just a regular guy. Like I don't look like I've just been bitten by a monkey and like I'm a zombie or something. <laughs> like I'm just like a regular guy. Tell me that I've got blood dribbling down the side of my face. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. that's why we can't record for far too long today because I have a really bad headache. Delightful. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but... It sounds like you've survived, thankfully, and uh, perhaps more importantly, I've survived this segment of the show, because it was a little touch and go there for a minute, but that's okay. I'm very proud of you. Whew. All right, let's cheer, let's cheer ourselves up, and let's cheer the listeners up, and let's talk about something great. Linode. Linode are not a pain in the tooth. <laughs> they can run that's, with that. That's, that's it. That's the whole ad. Now, this week's episode is brought to you by Linode. They give you fast, powerful hosting for your projects that you can get set up in just seconds. They have easy-to-understand tools that let you choose your resources and Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility you need. And Linode plans now start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with one gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Linode servers offer industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, Intel E5 processors, and access to a 40 gigabit network. They have nine data centers spread around the world, giving you the ability to serve your customers quickly. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. Super simple scaling, allowing you to resize your servers in just a couple of clicks, and it's all manageable via the command line, if that's your bag. I hear that's something that programmers enjoy. Mm -hmm. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature our 
hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and no balances. Linode has some awesome new pricing options available too. You can get a server with one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, or you can go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM for only $60 a month. And their two gigabyte plan now includes 30 gigabytes of storage, all for just $10 a month. Linode continues to offer more and more awesome options to meet your server needs. Across the board, they're offering twice the amount of RAM you'll get elsewhere. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash analog, you'll not only be supporting this show, but you you get $20 towards any Leno plan. And on that one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's going to last you some time. With a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. Go to linode.com slash analog. That's L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash analog to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or use the promo code analog2017 at checkout. Thank you to Linode for their support of this show. So we have to do some important follow-up, which uh, we probably should have done at the beginning of the episode, but it made sense to describe why you were a little under the weather, and that's why we moved the other yeah, thing up. this was actually topic one, but then I got a bad headache, so moved topic two to topic one. Indeed. So, uh, hashtag Casey was correct, and as it turns out, a uh, friend of the show, Jeremy, is it Burge? How do you pronounce his surname? I say Burge. Okay. Um Jeremy, uh, who you may know as the founder of Emojipedia, he noticed something on your Twitter bio, which I am disappointed to say I didn't notice. And you have returned the favor of my, um, uh, what was it, Wunderplumer uh, mm-hmm. bio? That, that Yeah, that took you like two or three weeks to figure out. And even then, I think I had eventually told you about it. But anyway, you have returned the favor. Because your bio, as we record today, reads as follows. Co-founder of Relay FM. Period. Programmer. Period. Boom. This is my Twitter bio. I am done. Uh, this show is over. Casey was correct. Hashtag Casey was correct. Uh, we're good. All right, I'll talk to you later, Mike. Usually when there are things that I don't want to talk about, right? Like when there's maybe like a topic I don't want to talk about anymore or like there's just like a, a meme that I want to move on from, you just stop talking about it. If you stop talking right. about it, everyone moves on, right? We recorded... I think it was. I think it was in the last episode, right? So it was like two weeks right. ago, mm-hmm. where we first spoke about this, and it was like a thing that had come up on ATP like a week before then. Mm-hmm. I'm still getting daily emails and <laughs> and tweets about this programmer thing. Mm-hmm. Like I hoped that it would be over by now. Oh no, but sir. it's not. Um, people still really want to tell me why I'm a programmer. <laughs> And so I figured that the only way for me to stop this from happening... Is to just embrace it? Well, is to put this conversation to bed. Uh-huh. So the programmer thing, changing my Twitter bio to programmer, was more a joke at you. Uh-huh. Um, and I was hoping that if you would find it, right? And I did this, like, a few days ago, but, like, the conversation has not stopped. I really didn't want to continue to do this anymore, but here we are, and I have to do this... Because really, it seems that everyone everyone is on your side. Like I've had maybe one or two people that like have said I'm on your side of this. I've had a handful more people say I really like the automator description, but not necessarily say that they don't think I'm a programmer. But I mean, I don't know why I should. I mean, really, this is so obvious that I should have expected this to be the case once this once this conversation began, because. There, I think we have a disproportionately large amount of computer programmers and computer science majors and developers. 
listening to this show than mm-hmm. in other walks of life or like maybe other arguments that might occur on this show there are people just of this persuasion we have like a disproportionate amount of them and I feel like I'm hearing from all of them so <laughs> it seems that everyone is on your side so I'm very hesitant I'm still very hesitant to say that I'm that I'm wrong um, because it's a way that I feel but what I'm more than happy to say is that the general consensus is that what I'm doing is considered to be programming. Like, that is a very strong consensus, a very vocal consensus. <laughs> but, it, but it really feels that this is a strong, a very strong thing that's happening. Indeed. And, and I think that it's worth noting that I, I think part of the reason that you're getting explained how wrong you are so often is partially because of the comedy of, you know, hashtag Mike was right and and now hashtag Casey was correct. But I am very familiar of the grave that I've dug for myself with some of this. But I am getting a lot of emails that are very much like, now, Mike, let's sit you down (laughs) and talk to you about... Let's talk about... Problems. Have you ever heard of heard of problems? We like to solve them. <laughs> Getting a lot of those sort of emails, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I'm definitely reading more of them in that way than maybe I should. <laughs> but that's how I feel. They're all written to me. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I think the thing of it is, in part, I would think part of the reason you're getting kind of like mansplained constantly is it's actually coming from a place of of friendship and and of enthusiasm because. Just about any developer that I know, myself included, would would think of calling somebody else a developer as a compliment, right? Like, oh, wow, you know, you're acting like a developer. Like, that's a huge compliment. And so I feel like a lot of the people trying to convince you you're wrong are, believe it or not, probably trying to do it from a place of, like, love because – they're trying to say, "Look, man, you're 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 good. You're doing it. Like you're better than you thought you were. You're you're rocking it." <laughs> but again, like, and I, I don't know if I've expressed this feeling, but like, I have such a respect for the work that it takes to be a developer, to write code. That you know, like, a lot of this for me is coming from a place that I where that where I'm like. Just you know, again, the, the, what I consider to be the skill level, like the, the the valley between us, is so large that it's like allow yourself to be a clever person who does a hard thing. Like, why <laughs> will you not allow yourself to be that? Like, it it really feels like all developers they they everybody says to me, we all just Google it. Right, so everyone says this to me. This, is, this has been the overwhelming like response of like, but we all do that. Like, none of us really know. We all Google it, and I believe that you do. But like, just, just I want all of you developers out there, everyone that has tweeted at me or wrote an email to me or anything, I just want you to be proud of yourselves. Right, you do something that not everyone can do. Like, just be proud of of the fact that you are special and that you do a hard job and that you are doing something that not everyone can do yeah but i think i think it's like if somebody told you that they were really interested in the beach boys but they don't really know their catalog they just know that they really like the beach boys 
And, you know, um, like, I don't know if I can really talk to you about the Beach Boys, because, I mean, I don't really know, like, I'm not even sure what the names of the people are in the band outside Brian Wilson, and I just know right. that I think it okay. sounds good. Here's the thing, though. I never came at anyone and said I was a programmer, all right? This was put on me. <laughs> I never <laughs> I never came at anyone. Sure. This was, this was forced upon me. Yeah, and that's fair. But I, I, think, I think what I'm trying to say, though, is that, the, you know, if I came to you and said, oh, you know, I, I think Brian Wilson's pretty cool, um, and I think I like the Beach Boys, but, man, I don't know if I can talk to you about it, because I don't know it like you do and and i don't i haven't enjoyed it like through and through like you have and you saying back to me nah man it's cool you know we we just like the same thing and maybe i like it in a different way or more or whatever but we all just like the same thing it's cool let's talk beach boys and and i feel like it's i mean that's not the greatest analogy but i feel like that's kind of where at least where i was coming from maybe i shouldn't speak for everyone but i was coming from a place of look man we're do we're the same we're cut from the same cloth you know maybe maybe you're the the fringes or frillies on the outside and i'm dead in the center but it's still the same cloth right and uh and and so i feel like that's where i was coming from And, and a lot of the emails that i got a copy of which certainly were not all of them but a lot of the ones i saw i felt like were coming from a similar place of hey man you're just like us you know you're, you're well you're different but you're still you're you're like us and that's <laughs> everyone's that's being cool. nice which kind of makes it worse mm-hmm. right like i just want to fight with people but no one will let me <laughs> well because everyone's being really nice and they're making a lot of sense and they're posing some good arguments and i have one that i want to read a little bit later on in the show that mm-hmm. that i thought was was worded really nicely actually yeah yeah, yeah. I, um, I know what and, you're thinking and, of so I want there's one that I want to read because it does a good job of summing up a lot of the general arguments that I was getting. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just one of those things where when you get one email or one tweet or whatever about it, it's sort of fine. And this is something that we kind of go through a lot, or anybody goes through a lot who like talks about this sort of stuff in these sort of ways, right? Writes on on blogs or talks on podcasts and that kind of thing. You get the occasional person disagreeing with you or, or having a point good or bad or making a joke and, and it's fine but when when there's lots and lots of them um they get amplified mm-hmm. so like you know you, you kind of i get a couple of tweets about it and it's fine i get a couple of emails about it and it's fine but it really has been like a multiple day multiple time a day occurrence uh for the last two weeks <laughs> and it's like because it won't go away right like this this is where i am with this and my breaking point came uh over the weekend when this conversation got brought to my home (laughs) wait by who whom who so we have uh some me and Idina have some friends Mm -hmm. um and they uh they live in bucharest and they were over for the weekend and uh it's Pleshka and Alina are their names. Um, and Pleshka is a developer. Mm-hmm. That's what he does for a living. So we're sitting down for dinner. And uh, he turns to me and he's like, I want to talk to you about you being a programmer. And I, I think my initial reaction was I just threw my hands up in, my, in the air and said something along the lines <laughs> of, in my own home now, this is happening. <laughs> and again, Pleshka did a good job of outlining all of the, 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 the points that I've had outlined to me. But, it, you know, and, and we had a good debate over it. Um, the debate ended with me saying, I can't agree with you, uh, <laughs> I think, or something to that effect. But I understand what you're saying, um, but it, it 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 was it was hilarious to me uh, that this had come into my home, 
And it was at that point I sat and thought about it. I changed my bio to say programmer the next day as I realized that now at this point, like I, I have to start to accept this. This is my life now. Um, I have to like, I have to, I don't know why it was like this one instance, but I think it was just the absurdity of this conversation following me around for two weeks to the point where it ends up occurring around my own dinner table. Um, I was like, right, well now, uh, now I need to start to accept the fact that I, I might be wrong here, right? That like, there is a chance now that what I believe to be true and and what I know a few people like me believe to be true is 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 so considered by so many to be wrong that this surely like that the wisdom of the crowd must be winning out somehow here <laughs> you know oh my goodness yeah i think I think you should embrace uh, hashtag Casey was correct uh, and listeners of the show if you'd like to tweet at Mike. Hashtag Casey was correct. No, actually, don't do that because at this point, don't, I'm just being mean. I will. I'm just being I will. Mean. Uh, so, I mean, I want to say to to Pleshka out there, thank you for helping me come to this realization. <laughs> um, and everyone can, can thank, all your programmers can thank him for allowing me to come to this. I had like a, I don't know, a, a come to coding moment or something sitting around my dinner table. I just want to know why it took having these friends uh, come in to tell you the same things I've been telling you all along for you to actually start to listen. It was the absurdity of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because I get feedback about things over Twitter and email all the time. But I never usually have follow-up happen in my, ho- my house, right? Yeah. Like, So did that come uh, this- from the show? Like he was listening to one or more shows? and that's- Yeah, he listens to, to ATP, he listens to Analog, and, and I think a couple of others. <laughs> oh my God, that's wonderful. That's absolutely Which is part of the reason why I'm doing this, mm-hmm. because I, uh, I consider this as like a kind of like a pseudo payback <laughs> as well. I'm like, right, now you got to listen to me talk about you on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, um, uh, tip of the hat. Uh, I appreciate that you were able to do what I could not, uh, but I am glad that Mike has finally come around and hashtag case was correct. It was like the last kind of, I don't know, like the last last stone dropped into the bucket that pushed the water over the edge kind of thing, right? Yeah. All right. So let's take a quick break uh, before you read uh, that slightly long email, but I think it's worth yeah, reading pretty much I've, in its entirety. All this, has been, well, all this has been is me setting up for the fact where I end up explaining how I've come to the point where I'm willing to accept this, mm-hmm. right? Like there is an, there, I, I have an, I will come to an acceptance at the end of this episode of this, but all I've done so far is I think restate my original point and talk about why I got to that point. Right. Right. But this show is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone whilst having the highest standards for their ingredients. So Blue Apron, they source their seafood under standards developed by the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. They partnered with them to do that. Their beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals, and their produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron will deliver seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. 
Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and proportioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. It is the ingredients, the, the way that they're broken down, the way that they're split up, which is the, the most intriguing thing about all of this to me. In that you get all of this stuff that comes to you in the, in, the, in the mail, in a box. And it's all broken down into these bags. And in these bags is just the stuff that you're going to need for the recipes that you have. That you're not going to have some can of something lingering in the back of your cupboard for six months because you wanted to make tacos one day right like, you know that's not what you get with blue apron like you just get what you need and it's also on the flip side you don't have to run to the grocery store to get a clove of garlic right like you don't have to worry about any of the stuff they give you exactly what you need nothing more nothing less you can choose from a variety of new recipes each week or let blue apron's culinary team surprise you no recipes are repeated within a year and you'll be able to cook stuff which is currently available like spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives bell peppers and ricotta salad sweet and sour salmon with bok choy and ginger fried rice or crispy gnocchi with fontina cheese and roasted baby broccoli i love gnocchi what oh that's such such good stuff (laughs) blue apron delivers to 99 percent of the continental u.s there's no weekly commitment so you only get deliveries when you want them and their freshness guarantee means that every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right check out this week's menu and get three meals for free with your first purchase including free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash analog You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com slash analog, and we thank them for their support of this show and Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Oh, hey, there's one thing I forgot to mention about my mouth. It's it's light-breaking news. The roof of my mouth on the top left-hand side, where the tooth was, is completely numb still. That seems like it's not a good thing. I looked it up. And um, it can happen in uh, difficult wisdom tooth removal that a nerve can be crushed oh. and can leave part of the mouth numb. Um, and this can last up to 12 months. Cool. I will ask, I will ask my dentist about this um, when I see him next week. Wow, what an utter disaster. I... So like, I can like take my fingernail and like just jam it in there and I can't. Oh, God. Okay, that's enough of that. Anything else about the programming stuff, or can I read this email and hopefully distract myself? Um, I want to kind of see if... Let me just outline super quickly, like, my my thought process with this. I just felt that this is a fight I can't win, right? Like, this was kind of where, where I came down to. Like, that... The argument kind of seems to be focused on the idea of programming as a thing and what that is and everyone boils it down to me to say it's problem solving and because you're solving problems with computers you're programming and so my feeling was if that's all this is right like if that's what this is fine (laughs) like if that's what being a programmer is okay like i'll take it i'll take the label because but i just i really just felt like it was more than that but everyone keeps saying to me all it is is solving problems and however you choose to solve them, whether it's like reusing some code or doing some research or um, copying and pasting something or just having the idea in the first place of a, of a way that you want to make something happen, that's programming. Because I, I will say, right, like and I've held some of this back whilst I've been trying to make my point, but with some of the workflow stuff, I have recently um, gotten myself into the mind of like, here is the thing I want to do. 
how do I do that? Yep. Right. So, like, I've been holding some of this back because I didn't want to give you any inches. Mm-hmm. But it's it's been a case of like either me coming up with something on my own. I mean, and this was what started the original thing in the first place. I think where it's where on kind of sort of connected. I was talking about a workflow that I built. How it started off from a problem that I have, and then I ended up building it. Or like, there's been some other stuff recently where it's like I have some incredibly complex workflows that like Federico has bought, and I'm like, they don't work exactly how I want. So I like look at what's in front of me, and like I don't understand any of this. But I know what that one word means. And that one <laughs> word tells me that I think I kind of have an idea about this. So, like, I've tweaked, I tweak some stuff. So, like, for example, here's, here's, here's a real-world example of this. So, I, have, uh, I use Toggle for my time tracking and the Toggle workflow that Federico makes. One of them is to check if there's a, currently a timer running. And so you say, is there a timer running? And it says no. And then it has two dialogue boxes. One of them is okay. One of them is cancel, right? Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do was to change one of the dialogues. to Because okay and cancel are just like it's redundant because mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything, right? And it only has those two because it needs two dialogue boxes for another thing. So I think it just reuses that, right? Like, but like, like if I hit one of those buttons, I want it to trigger another workflow to start a timer, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes all I'm doing is checking if a work if a timer is running, so I know if I should be starting one, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like looking around and I couldn't find a way to change the, the the title of it. But what I ended up doing was being able to get workflow to understand if the um, if OK was passed as a response back to workflow to then trigger another workflow. And the way that I worked this out was by looking at other parts of the workflow to see where this type of stuff was being done. That, like, sure. if the button OK was being passed through, that it would trigger the next step. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do that, right? I was able to pull that in and, and do that. And then another one, like, a, he had this, create this incredible Dropbox one the other day, and I was able to go in and add my own option into this drop down which was then going to set off some other tasks that I'd put in so basically I am very aware now after getting the amount of feedback that I've been getting <laughs> that this makes me a programmer right like I, I get this now but I didn't want <laughs> it really just for me came down to this like fundamental thing of what I think a programmer is mm-hmm. right which is what you are um, and it wasn't that it was like, I think it's a dirty word, but it just felt like something bigger than this. But the more and more I've had these like ideas bashed into me that we're going to read from Alexandre, who did a great job of summing it up um, and using some examples that made me feel like a human uh, rather than just like, like kind of pie in the sky type stuff. Mm-hmm. I can use actual real world examples and it applied it kind of made sense in my brain. But like I kind of, you know, been just been thinking to myself, it just felt like more than this, you know? Um and, and I know that what I'm doing is, is quite basic. Like I feel like it's probably the way that a lot of programmers learn whatever it is that they learn. Um and this is how I'm kind of m- messing around in this. I did come to the realization today, which made me laugh, that um I am currently programming in a soon-to-be-deprecated language. What, workflow? Yeah. 
uh, we don't know if it'll be deprecated. <laughs> it's more of a joke than anything else. But what I'm doing right now inside of the app, right, that's what I know. And, and if that app goes away and doesn't look like this anymore, like, I'm going to be starting over in some ways again, right? Like, I, I know workflow, right? Like, I can, I can make sense of that right now. Like, I can, I can make sense of the way that things are visually represented. Um, and it's it's just kind of funny to me that it's like as soon as I start to get my head around it, it's yeah. like nah, don't worry about it, it's going away. <laughs> that is fair. All right, so let me uh, let me read this email because I think you're right that it does really well kind of summarize what I what I think both of our points of view actually in its own way. And so um, yeah, and again, I, this wasn't the only really good email that I got. I got loads, but this one came through just as I was kind of like coming into this sense of understanding my fate. And it also just did a good job of a real world example that I think I needed. Yeah, so I'm going to read this whole thing. It's a little bit on the long side for something I would typically read, but it's worth it. Hello, guys. Great discussion on what makes up a programmer. I like that, Mike, you identify yourself as an automator or a tinkerer that's putting this and that together to make another thing. It all made me thought of a friend of mine that is uh, quite a bit older. I'm 34, and my friend is retired a few years ago at 60. He started his career in what was once looked at uh, pulling, putting this and that together in the physical world. He was assembling tubing, valves, relays, and other sorts of pneumatic contraptions, following requirements from their customers to react to conditions or actions in an automated way. He would basically create control structures using tubing to allow the air to pass by certain routes and trigger some action as a result. He could spend a week designing the system and a month building it. It was not considered programming, but it had all the same tools a, com- a computer uh, a programmer would use nowadays. One day he foresaw that his job was being replaced by another guy that was doing the same thing but using a computer. He moved to programming, and he actually already knew how to program. Instead of using uh, such a piece of tubing, it was an if, and if it needed to go to the other end, then it was an else. He knew the logic. He knew how to solve a problem. He just typed it in another language. Statements, conditions, control structures, he knew them all just with other names. Mike uh, was creating workflows or Mike creating workflows or designing multiple scenarios with or without home automation devices to react to, to a trigger is exactly the same thing. You just don't know what a for loop is at the moment, but you probably already wrote one with another name or a visual synonym. As I was uh, through my early, uh, or as I was going through my computer science classes early on, programming is now writing code. It's solving a problem using logic. Then there are n number of levels on the spectrum of programming that goes from taping squares all the way to writing ones and zeros. Do not kid yourself, Mr. Hurley. You are solving problems of various difficulties using control, control structures and logic. You are a programmer. Welcome to the club. It was a nice email. Yeah, it was really, really well done. I th- and and really well written and a great, a great, great, great summary. And I think it, I think it appealed to both of us, right? Because I, it does kind of convince you to some degree that you are a programmer, but it also acknowledges the fact that you may not think of yourself as one. Which I tried, but I don't think I did a very good job of also acknowledging the last time we spoke about this. But th- this was a really great analogy to kind of bridge the gap between us so thank you alexandra for that uh it was really well done jonathan made a very bold prediction uh jonathan says i believe in three years when xcode comes oh yes (laughs) that mike will have made and published his first app and and jonathan i think is being deadly serious here oh i think you're right i think he makes multiple bold predictions Mm -hmm. in 140 characters 
Yeah. One is that Xcode is coming. One is that it's coming in three years, or within three years. And then the other is that I will make an app and publish it. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, mainly because I, I just don't foresee myself having enough spare time to learn Swift. Right? Mm-hmm. But I do foresee a world in which I continue to, to, to learn a little bit more about the automation stuff that I'm doing. You know, you know like how Federico kind mm-hmm. of kind of started to learn a little bit of like related code. Um, you know, and he learned some some like some stuff. I think he went with Python and then he started to kind of dig into a lot of like web APIs and things like that. And I see it as a possibility that, that I would maybe learn something there. But I don't I don't think I'm gonna be of the mindset where I'm gonna want to make something. Mm-hmm. I see myself more as being of a mindset where I'm willing to learn something if it helps me achieve a goal that I have, which is to help me work better. Because that's what I'm really interested in. It's why I do all of this, right? It's because it helps me work faster or smarter. That's kind of why I do these things. It's why I learn this stuff. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, it's funny you bring that up because a while ago. I had noticed that I had been getting probably once or twice a month, and it still happens, although less frequently, that somebody will write, um, like, to, uh, you know, tweet at, at, at me or at, at the show, be it ATP or this one, or perhaps write me an email and say, hey, you know, I really would, would like to learn how to write an app or, or just, yeah, I'd learn how to write, I'd like to learn how to write code. How do I do that? And I wrote a post, a very brief post on my website, and we'll link to it in the show notes, that that basically just said, find a thing you want to do and figure out how to do it, which sounds flippant, but I don't mean it that way at all. It's just like you said, Mike, you had you had and have problems that you want to solve or efficiencies that you want to create, and you have done what it takes in order to figure out how to solve them. And that, to me, is the only way to learn how to write code, be it to write code in the first place or to say, learn a new language. So like as a silly example, when I wanted to teach myself Objective-C years ago, I wrote fast text and yeah, it was a dumpster fire, but it worked and it was in the store and that was Objective-C, which I didn't know before I started writing it. But had I just set out to learn Objective-C, it wouldn't have really stuck. But because I set out to complete a specific task, it actually did stick. And now I'm a professional Swift programmers. So turns out thing, weird things can happen. Um, I am, I am very pleased you came around, not actually because hashtag Casey was correct, but in reality, because I do think you were selling yourself short. And I do think that you are much closer to me than you think you are, even if you are still a, a far cry away from what I do every single day. Um, so I, I, it, it pleases me, again, because I'm, I'm coming at this from a position of, hey, calling somebody a developer or programmer is a compliment. And so it pleases me that you're starting to begrudgingly embrace that this is, this is you to, to, a, to a degree, be it small or medium or large. So I'm glad that you have uh, come around on this. So my kind of feeling on this right now is that I continue to believe now and do believe now that programming is a broad term that within it sits a few things. Yeah. And within that, you're a developer and I am an automator and they are both methods of programming. I think that's fair. I mean, I I don't know that I've ever really considered 
an automator as a as a subclassification in the past, but well, because I, I created it, <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I created the term. Well, yes and no. Term. Like there's, we are in just tomorrow or the day after. I'm interviewing a test automation engineer at work, for example. Well, so, okay, okay, you you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's like automator is a term to describe somebody who uses tools like Zapier, IFTTT, and Workflow, mm-hmm. like as their method of programming. Sure, like they are a person who uses automation tools to help them build their own little mini apps as opposed to learning code. Yeah. Right? Like, I, you know, I have an app on my phone that I made that can help me tweet, mm-hmm. right? Like, that, that's, that's, I don't really think there's been much stuff like that in recent years where somebody could just use this tool to build this little thing, this little applet. Like, hey. not maybe not since Automator, <laughs> right? Well, you say that, you know? but it goes back a long way, right? Because, I mean, my beginnings of my of my programming days was when I was a kid writing batch scripts in DOS, which basically is, is, is the closest... Uh, most uh, the thing that's cl- most closely analogous to workflow for DOS way back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of something like uh, with a GUI, right? Like a th- this this little program that makes other programs, mm-hmm. like an automator or hypercard. But, you mean, you yeah, it, it, yeah, or hypercard. Hypercard's a good example of it. But you know, like hypercard kind of begat workflow. You know, sure. It's hypercard begat like automator. Automator yeah, begat yeah. workflow, and it, you know, we what it was. It was a long time between between automator and workflow mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's the kind of thing that i mean right like i know that there have been other systems like this before but like i you know it was the terms that i was using like this little app that i could put on my phone right like this is its own little thing in my opinion but yeah all right i think that's a pretty good summary though i think uh, even though i stand by and it sounds like you're, you've come around that we're both programmers i think calling yourself an automator and me a developer i think that's a reasonable compromise it's as far as I'm willing to go. I will say I'm a programmer, but there are uh, the the classifications of what sits within that um, is very important to me mm. because I re- it isn't it isn't a level playing field. It's not, um, and and that that's the one thing that like I can't I can't accept. Right, like the the fundamentals of it is one thing, but saying that what I'm doing and what you're doing is similar or functional level is, is, is very, very incorrect. Um, and in my opinion, so I, that I kind of have to have that to, to make sense in my mind, because I just can't accept that. Like you sitting and writing Swift code, you know, the difference between you sitting and writing Swift code and me tooling around in workflow and adding a button that they, they feel very, very different to me. Um, at a function level, like you know, like what is happening, but like from a philosophical level and from a fundamental level, you know, like what is what is going on in the brain behind the scenes. I'm willing to accept now that mm-hmm. they are similar, that they are close to each other, that they are cut from the same cloth. Right. Exactly. But like, what is going on that is making the thing happen? Like, what is coming out of from the brain into the hands into the computer <laughs> that is very 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 different and what you're doing is is a is is a lot more complex um because otherwise there'd be even more app developers than there already is yeah fair enough but you can take this one casey you brought the fight directly to me <laughs> and you won hashtag casey was correct <laughs>